0: I am super excited to announce today's podcast sponsor, a brand I've shared about on my IG stories a bit and one whose founder is actually coming on to be next week's podcast guest, Blue Blocks. Light hygiene is super important and Blue Blocks is helping make sure you're taken care of with their blue light blocking glasses. When they realized that many of the blue light blocking glasses out there were not backed by science and were cheaply made, Blue Blocks created a company that flips all of that on its head. They performed years of research, studies and clinical tests to find way to optimally manage light. Instead of just focusing on blue light, they found that in order to see any notable health benefits, you need to block specific frequencies of light at specific times of day. They then created their three signature lenses, Sleep Plus, Summer Glow, and Blue Light. I personally wear the blue light glasses during the day at all times. You guys see me in my Instagram stories all the time. I always have them on. I notice a massive difference in my eye strain and headaches while I'm constantly working on my computer and my cell phone and they are the only daytime computer glasses to filter down across the entire blue light spectrum. If you guys are interested in buying a pair, which I obviously highly recommend, use code FRECKLED, that's F-R-E-C-K-L-E-D, for 15% off and free shipping. Go to www.blueblocks.com FRECKLED, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash FRECKLED, and be sure to listen to next week's episode with the founder, Andy Mant. Guys, on today's episode, we are chatting a very, very highly requested topic, one of my favorite things, weed. Um, You guys know I've been talking about it more and more on my Instagram. I've kind of been opening up and sharing that side of my life with the Freckled Foodie community, and the more that I do, the more people want to talk about it. And you guys know I'm here to talk about things, especially those that maybe not everyone's openly discussing yet, and we should be. So I took it honestly to you guys, asking if you knew anyone in the industry who would be a good fit to talk about this topic on Freckle Foodie and Friends, and Emma Chasen came very highly remac- recommended, I cannot speak, to... Um, So I'm really pumped about this episode. Emma is a cannabis educator and consultant. She co-hosts her own radio show and podcast called This Is Cannabis. She is a graduate of Brown University. She studied medicinal plant research and she co-owns and operates Eminent Consulting Firm, which offers cannabis industry professionals and enthusiasts educational training. That is the promised quick intro. Let's get into the conversation because it is a good one. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. It is me, Cameron, and I am joined remotely with Emma Chasen, a cannabis educator and consultant, and I am so excited to talk all things weed because it is very highly requested from all of you. So Emma, thank you so much for joining. I'm really excited to have you here.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. So a little bit of context before we dive in. I... um. And obviously, we'll talk a lot about weed, and I can share more about my journey as we get into it. But for me, I've more been, I guess, openly sharing my weed consumption, if that's what you want to call it, on Freckled Foodie. And for me, my content is always very... Honest and, you know, I guess raw. I, I just really want, you know, my Freckled food family, I treat them as if they're like my therapist and my best friend. So I really tell them everything. And I forget when exactly I opened up about it, but this one time I happened to mention it and I got an influx of messages. And I guess I was very hesitant in the beginning because I am kind of in this wellness health space. And, you know, obviously we'll talk about some stigma that comes with the weed industry, but. Once I start talking about it, all these people are messaging me being like, oh my God, you smoke weed, tell me everything. I like, I smoke all the time. Finally, someone's talking about it and normalizing it more. And I do think we're in this wave a little less in the East Coast, um, but I do think that hopefully soon nationally, it will be more, I guess, widely accepted and even legalized. So I'm really excited because you have such a background on the topic and so much education. I'm really pumped to pick your brain.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's always such an interesting process of what I call it like coming out of the green closet, where you mm-hmm. start opening up about yeah. your use of of cannabis. And especially in the wellness space. I mean, it's a plant medicine, right? So it could right. be- taken and and, um, consumed and kind of seen as like a a lavender tea or a chamomile tea Mm -hmm. or an ashwagandha tincture. But yet there is that negative stigma coming from prohibition where it's a little scary to let people know. So that's really, that's really awesome that um, in your experience, you kind of came out and, and had this influx of support. I think that a lot of people, especially women, are kind of consuming in secret. And Mm -hmm. it's really nice when we all are able to openly talk about it and kind of come together and and share information and resources on the topic. I
0: totally agree. And even still, I like hold back a slight – I mean, even as I continue to get more and more comfortable talking about it, like on Sunday, and we'll talk about this, but I get awful period cramps. And on Sunday, I – didn't sleep the night before because I was up until three with cramps. I was in so much pain. I'm like, screw this. And I took a 25 milligram edible at three o'clock and just like spent the day on the couch watching TV. And I was so fucking happy, but still, I mean, I was like stoned. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I won't share like a video of me talking to the camera. You know, there's still that like stigma, even though I've, quote unquote, I loved that term, come out of the green closet. I'm still trying to figure out where like my boundaries are, but it's such an interesting interesting field to navigate and to kick things off and to really start the conversation. I'm curious, how would you define success? Mm,
1: so I I approach the the definition of success as quite flexible and ever changing. Of course, there are like certain markers that I use to be like, okay, I feel I feel successful. Um, one of those is, of course, like the financial aspect of it, which I think is the mm-hmm. most boring aspect of success. But it is true of just like enough money to do what I love and live comfortably within my yep. means. Um, but really, the more important thing to me is like, do I feel Oh fulfilled? Do I feel happy? And do I feel like I'm actually making a positive impact? Do I feel like I am aligned in my mission? And for me, my mission is really to help people feel more empowered to take charge and control of their own health and and wellness experience. And um, I like introducing people to plant medicine, especially cannabis that has been so stigmatized where people have this real fear and anxiety and trepidation around consumption, because of what we've been fed for the last century during prohibition. And it is so inspiring to me, I feel like I've done a good job, like I am successful when I see that look on people's faces, when they do start integrating cannabis into their lifestyle, and they're finding success for themselves. And so I, I base my own definition of success really on um, how much I am uplifting my community around me.
0: I love that, and I tie. That's very tied into my definition as well. Because for me, it's like, okay, well, what am I providing the freckled foodie community, and how are we growing as a whole? Mm -hmm. And like, am I serving some form of purpose or bringing some value to the table? And if so, then you know that's a large part. Part obviously, finances are important as well, and finding the means that work best for you because it's not the same for everyone. But I am fully in support and. In alignment, I guess you could say with that definition. And I'm really curious how – and I actually – I meant to kick the episode off with this. I do want to touch on the privilege that goes into having this conversation when there are still so many – wrongly convicted of crimes in the prison system. And that's a whole nother topic that I want to have a whole other episode on. But I do just always want to mention that when I do talk about weed, because I realize that now it's becoming more of a topic that people are discussing or something that people feel comfortable doing and it's being legalized in states. But there is still a massive issue with the incarceration system over the past century and what it has done to people and families as well.
1: Oh, yeah. And thank you for bringing that up and um, recognizing that I mean, I am in in, an incredible position of privilege as a white woman to be able Mm -hmm. to so freely and openly talk about cannabis and my use of cannabis and, and explore its its science and uncover all of its different therapeutic potentialities. However, there are still so many people sitting in jail for cannabis crimes, specifically black people and other people Mm -hmm. of color who have been targeted um, and and really marginalized and um, cannabis has been used against them. The war on drugs is historically racist. It was meant to... Mm -hmm. Um, really destabilize communities of color and um, encourage systemic violence in those communities. And so I think that it is an incredibly important part of the conversation that we as white people need to recognize and talk about and take action on and really help not only uplift our like broader communities, everybody in that community, but specifically help uplift BIPOC communities who have been put at a disadvantage for, I mean, (laughs) forever.
0: Yes, I totally agree. And I I so appreciate you also understanding that I just really – wanted to make that clear for anyone listening that that's a huge part of this conversation and something i do honestly internally struggle with in the sense of there are so many as you said predominantly black male people in the criminal justice system for crimes regarding cannabis and you know now that it's becoming more legalized it is mostly a white male run Financial profited off of business, and so I do have a hard time with that. Um, but I am curious how you got into the cannabis industry in the beginning, because you definitely have a medical background as well. Would you say, yeah, Is yeah that Safe to I mean, say, I've, okay. I
1: definitely have like a research academic background, and so i I've always been interested in plant medicine. Um, I come from a family that is very, um, very into like Mediterranean plant medicine, specifically okay. like Italian um, strega verde, which translates to green witch tradition. So we had always used plant medicine growing up. And then um, I was really fascinated by different like indigenous tribes throughout the world and the way that they engaged with plant medicine and and healing as a whole. But I definitely carried a lot of cannabis stigma with me until I arrived at Brown university where I spent my undergrad and I took a freshman seminar titled botanical roots of modern medicine and started learning about all of the different plant medicines around the world, specifically like psychedelic and theogenic um, plant medicines and simultaneously being in that like classroom experience I was with my peers some of the smartest people in the world and all of them were smoking weed and so it kind of Mm -hmm. shattered my negative perception and held stigma that cannabis was just for dumb people who had no drive no ambition um and it, it really made me kind of look that that stigma in the face and be like, Oh, I've been duped, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I started consuming cannabis um, at the end of my freshman year, and just loved it. I mean, I found that it reduced my anxiety, I was able to function more, I also really struggle with period pain. And so it really helped to alleviate um, that as well. And, just really fell in love with it while simultaneously designing my own course of study in medicinal plant research and ethnobotany, which is the study of the way in which indigenous peoples use medicinal plants. And I was also doing pre-medical sciences. I thought that I was going to go on to like traditional MD routes, but I took a gap year in between what would have been um, my my med school and I worked for the Brown University Oncology Research Group where we did clinical trials focusing on breast cancer specifically nationwide. And I thought that that could be my impact to bring cannabis into the space to really start talking about it in this allopathic context. This was also just for timeline like 2014, 2015. So okay. the medical movement was just starting to gain traction in Rhode Island, which is where I was. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, that didn't pan out. My supervisor was very, um, was very much just like, oh, oh, no, like laughed, laughed off the fact. I mean, we had a professor who proposed a a cannabis trial and and she essentially laughed him out of the office. And to me, that was just like, "Mm, okay, I'm not where I'm supposed to be right now. Yeah. And so I quit shortly thereafter and packed up my car and drove across the country to Portland, Oregon, um, very serendipitously arriving about a month before the early onset of adult use sales here in, in Oregon. And so every cannabis business was hiring and I somehow found my way to pharma, which was a very prominent dispensary here in Portland that very much focused on the science of cannabis. And there I was... Um, able to explore further my own relationship with cannabis, as well as begin to connect with people on the, the science of cannabis and, and predict, help them predict their experience and integrate it into their lifestyle. And I just fell in love with it from there. And I mean, that's that was five years ago now. So it's been a minute. That's an
0: incredible journey because A, like only really at a school like Brown could you create that type of major and actually have coursework to support it. Um, but then also just going from such a medically focused field to taking a different spin on the medicine because I totally believe that cannabis, I believe in plant medicine to begin with, but I really believe that cannabis has incredibly healing powers and can do such incredible things. And It's interesting you mentioned the stigma, and I know we kind of touched on this in the beginning, but you know, in high school, every, you know, obviously your parents are saying, like, stay away from drugs, stay away from drugs. And you think of a pothead as a very undriven, living in their parents' basement as like a 30 year old, you know, eating everything in sight, like lazy. And that is, I find, the stigma that media kind of portrayed a pothead as. Mm -hmm. And, I remember the first time I tried weed was in high school and I just didn't have a great experience with it. It was the actually the only time I've ever really panicked while high, but because it was my first time, I kind of thought that that was what every time was going to be like. So I didn't really have an interest in it. And then in college, um, I did it a few times, but we I also played lacrosse at a D1 school and we had a very strict, like no smoking policy, no drug policy. And as... I was a captain. I took it, I take rules very seriously. Some rules. Some rules I love to follow. Some rules I'm like, this is bullshit. But that rule I took very seriously. And then I almost felt like I was in this awkward place in a relationship with cannabis because there were people on my team who liked to smoke and they kind of like almost put me in this weird box of like being a bad person that like they couldn't talk about it in front of me, even though like it was a team rule. It's not like I was the coach, but because I was the captain. And so then I almost had this like, other stigma against it because I'm like, oh, it made me look like such a tight, tightly wound, like goody shoe, goody, what's this term? Like goody two-shoe or whatever (laughs) person. And they didn't want to talk about it in front of me, but really like, I don't care. It was just a team rule. And so after college, that's when I really started to explore with cannabis, Um, really just because a few of my friends, but over the past two years have become way more, Um, interested in it as a whole, but also reliant on it for medical reasons. I struggle um, pretty badly with anxiety and I talk about it all the time on my platform. And while I use CBD daily in the morning, I oftentimes do turn to cannabis at night as kind of my like I don't like to say wind down, but it's just a part of my mental health toolbox in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And for things like period cramps and and pain that I might be in. And I think that it's something that I wish we could all normalize a bit more. And I'm curious on how you feel your business is doing that. And I guess also where you see this industry going as it continues to evolve.
1: Yeah, so um, my my business, which is Eminent Consulting, it it kind of has two arms. Where the one that I am most passionate about and kind of has been my labor labor of love for the past half of a decade has been in the education aspect of it. So really trying to communicate to as many people as possible, the facts around what cannabis is and what cannabis isn't really presenting scientific evidence around this plant in a way that is digestible and accessible for every single person. To me, that is or has been the best tool and continues to be the best tool in helping to reverse the the stigma, people's stigma and, and fear around consumption. Um, I I think that it's easy, as with any kind of uh, political or or social opinion, to really oscillate between um, the two extremes or to to feel very aligned in one of those extremes of like cannabis is amazing and it's wonderful and there's nothing bad with it and it should be legal for Mm -hmm. all versus like cannabis is awful. It's the devil's lettuce. It'll ruin us as a society. (laughs) And I try to find just like places in the middle of that spectrum where, again, I'm presenting the science around it. We've heard a lot from a lot of different people and, and pundits and politicians that there is not enough research on this and yet THC specifically, which is the compound that makes us all feel high, is one of the most researched compounds on the planet. It's just that there hasn't been a lot of negative um, research or, or a lot of negative conclusions drawn from the research around THC, and so it's not often publicized or published in that way. That doesn't mean that THC and, and cannabis in general doesn't have negative side effects, right? And so it's important to for me to talk about this plant um, from the the perspective of rationale and um, and from just like as, as if it's another plant medicine, as I said in the beginning um, of this episode, that it can be looked at like lavender or chamomile or mm-hmm. turmeric or ashwagandha or ginger. It's another ally to have in, your medicine cabinet. And so um, the way that I do most of my education is through online courses. So I do have courses up there on everything from um, cannabinoids, terpenes, looking at what the indica sativa distinctions actually mean, and and really how to optimize your own relationship with cannabis and how to engage with this plant in a way that is meaningful specifically for you. Um, I also do different like public speaking and, and uh, lectures now all Virtually, I try to um, put out as much free educational material as I possibly can because, again, in in my mission, I truly believe that everyone deserves to have access to this information, as everyone deserves to have access to this plant. Um, and when they do choose, if they choose to engage with it, then they should know what they're getting themselves into. Um, and and so I think that for the the future and the evolution of this industry, I mean, right now, consumer education, a report just came out that, um, like, over 90% of consumers still don't really know what they're purchasing when they go into a dispensary. And they really, and I mean, especially if they're still buying black market, there's just mm-hmm. not, there's not that education that exists there yet. And I think that that will be a huge part as we kind of move down this road of legalization. I also think that um, the, the conversation around federal legality will come into play, um, especially if we have a, a change in the presidency come this fall. Um, I think that 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 will be a conversation that will be had, and then it'll kind of turn the whole industry on its head. But hopefully, allow greater access for all people, as well as some really important policy uh, improvements in in the cannabis industry, such as access to to banking and just all those kind of business things that we don't yet have right now because we're still a Schedule One drug. It's still very federally illegal, um, and mm-hmm. so. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to do my part to help consumers as well as industry professionals really um, arm themselves with as much information, scientific evidence as possible around the plant so that we can begin to just talk about it in a way that makes most sense for people.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, regarding the election, fingers crossed, we can all just yeah. like <laughs> pray, hope, and vote. Um, but I do think. It's interesting because what you've said about like 90% of consumers don't actually know what to ask for or what they're getting. And I think it's so true. And I also think that that's built into the stigma of like, if you have one bad experience, you think that that's all experiences. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I went to Venice. I walked into a medmen men, and I felt like I was in heaven. These people were asking me questions: How do you want to feel? How do you want to consume it? Like what style? What method? What like how much? And it was so eye opening. I'm like, this could be such an incredible experience rather than texting some like sketchy drug dealer to come to your apartment and like not really knowing what you're getting. To be totally honest, um, and I'm curious for anyone who might be listening, who either had a bad experience once or has never tried cannabis and is really new to the game, any tips or recommendations, obviously we'll link your coursework for them, but simple things that you would recommend them to ask or look for when they're entering the industry, whether it's, you know, simply even describing the difference between Indica and Sativa, that type of information.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I I think that the first thing that I like to tell people who have had that bad experience, maybe from like too big of a bong rip or a brownie Mm -hmm. that went bad um, is that you are not alone. That is so common among people where, I mean, I just like, we've all been there. We've all been there where you just ate too much and you were like freaking out. Um, I will say that cannabis is polydynamic in nature which means that there are so many different ways to engage with this plant it's not just the singular focus on thc and thc an overdose of thc specifically is what gave you that really bad anxious paranoid experience if you did have have that in your past and so when you go into a dispensary um or or a shop or even if you talk to your dealer um Really try to engage with them around the actual compounds at play in the matrix. I talk a lot about how indica and sativa on the the cannabis market and in cannabis culture, that um, language has really been adopted to describe effect, where like indica means super sleepy and sativa means Mm -hmm. super energizing.
0: But I always think like indica into couch. That's how I remembered it in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, got it.
1: (laughs) But unfortunately, it's not really true. There's. It's just mm-hmm. not a good way for us to predict experience, and strain names aren't a good way to predict experience either. It's just all a bunch of marketing tools, um, because Mojito Number Five sounds much more enticing than if we scientifically named the variety like H1B5, right? Right. And so the way to to predict an experience that you will have with cannabis is to one, look and ask about the compounds that are actually at play. So when I say cannabis is polydynamic, it means that there's not only THC in there, but there's also CBD and maybe some CBG or CBC, as well as the the big wonderful world of terpenes, which are the aromatic compounds that we actually think are responsible for more of the mood of the experience. So if you want to be sleepy, silly, giggly, sexy, whatever it may be, um, you you should look and ask about the, the compounds that are at play. And a good way to do this is to describe to the bartender what kind of experience you want. Do you want to um, have some kind of targeted therapeutic action? Do you want to go on a hike with, with whatever you'll be consuming? Do you want to just sit and veg out in front of the TV? I mean, the experience that you want to have will Um, will absolutely rely on the compounds that you are consuming from the plant. And um, once you've kind of had that conversation with, with your bud tender around the compounds that are in each variety or in the product, then we look at dosing. So cannabis follows what we call a biphasic dose response curve, where it is a bell curve. And at the top of that bell curve is your unique optimal therapeutic dose. So at that peak, that's when you're going to have um, the best experience for you, meaning that the mood is going to be great, you're going to get your optimal symptom relief, whatever it may be. And each person has a specific unique dose at which that optimal experience occurs. For me, it could be four milligrams of THC. For somebody else, it could be 400 milligrams of Mm -hmm. THC. And so it's important that, um, especially for novice consumers, for new people who are kind of like dipping their toes in the water, that we start with microdosing. So you're just going to consume a tiny, tiny little bit, wait, a while and see how it makes you feel. I, I also encourage people to keep a consumption journal where they can jot down what product they're consuming, how they're consuming it, what brand did it come from, what compounds are in it, as well as like, how are you feeling at that moment? Did you have a fight with your partner earlier? Did you eat enough food? Are you stressed out because of work? Because cannabis is a botanical medicine, uh, I I think it's important for us to look at it in a holistic context, where your mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health will all absolutely play a role in your ultimate experience. And so, I know that that's that's kind of a lot for new people to wrap their head around, but um, but I I do think it's really important if if you want to like develop a long term relationship with. This plant. Cannabis is not a cure all. It's not going to solve all your problems immediately, but it may help a lot. And it's a really important ally to have in your medicine cabinet. It just takes some experimentation to find what exactly is right for you.
0: Right. I totally agree. And I think that was really helpful because even I need to look more into the compounds of the different things that I'm consuming. And I think the journal is a great idea because I know for me after trial and error, you know, if I'm taking something just at night and I just want a little bit of assistance and I don't want to be stoned, but I I want to feel something like I know what dosage works. I know what to turn to. I know, like I said earlier, like if I am in so much pain and I just kind of want to like be relieved of that pain and lay on the couch all day and watch my TV show like I did on Sunday, I then know what else to turn to. Um, But I think it can be really daunting for people. I think, you know, it can be scary. I think, honestly, one of the most important pieces of advice you gave was wait an hour. I will never forget when my husband and I, when we were dating and like, I think we were right out of college, we made pop brownies and they were actually just really good brownies and I have a total sweet tooth. And I'm like, I don't feel anything. And we just kept eating them, kept eating them, kept eating them. Mm. And my roommate came home five hours later and we were like debilitated on the couch. So definitely give yourself the time. Um, I think that's a huge, huge piece of information. But I also would highly recommend anyone listening who's interested in trying or furthering their education to definitely check out the resources of yours that we'll link in the show notes, because I think education is key. And even I am now trying to learn more as I go about my cannabis journey and feel more confident in what I'm choosing and why I'm choosing it and why I'm integrating it into my life. And it seems like you have really navigated this personally and now also professionally, which I commend you for. And I'm curious what your favorite characteristic about yourself is.
1: Mm, Well, thank you. Um, I it has been fun journey. I think that I think of cannabis like a space age where it's like oh there's so much to discover and learn and it's exciting yes. and new and I mean I'm still learning. We're all still learning. Um so it's it's definitely a journey there. I I think that one of my favorite characteristics uh, about myself is that I am a very good listener, um, specifically around like active listening. I really like to hold space for people to share vulnerably with me um, and, and I don't like judge them for it and, and I'm able to kind of listen and um, provide feedback if they want it or just kind of like hold the space while they share. I think that not, not enough of us, listen. Now, you know, we're we're all and, and I'm, I totally get this way too of just being kind of like in, in my own drama, we're all in our own lives and, and doing our own things. And um, to me, it's always really important and profound to be able to sit with somebody and just listen to them and hear what they need to to share. And I think that it can be therapeutic on both ends.
0: Absolutely. It's something I'm really trying to work on because I am very quick to interrupt and share my two cents and unfortunately judge those that I love. And so it's, I'm a work in progress on that. So I really admire that. Um, another question I have for you regarding plant medicine, and this is kind of a curveball, but do you ever study or do you include mushrooms in that? Kind of umbrella of knowledge.
1: Oh yes, yes. Oh, I love psychedelic education and specifically the the entheogens. So the 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 substances that promote empathy. I I think are, mm-hmm. are so fascinating. I've had a slew of personal experiences with them, but also really really interested in the science um, behind like what what's happening chemically in our brains when we consume these substances, and and how can we reduce harm. For people as well, I think that similar to cannabis, there are a lot of stories of like, oh my god, I took mushrooms and I freaked <laughs> out; everything was melting, like it was so scary. Um, where it doesn't have to be that way if if we approach it with set and setting and, and intention, and again, just feel a little bit more prepared. So I do um, I do that kind of education as well.
0: Okay, amazing because I'm so interested in mushrooms. I want to try them so badly. I actually just texted um two of my friends asking if I guess maybe it'll be when this episode releases. So, at the end, I'm doing like mini personal reflections at the end of the episode that are more like live to when we release. So, guys, get there and we'll discuss if I've taken them by now. Um, but I'm so interested in trying mushrooms, like really, really interested. And I guess selfishly I'm wondering, and maybe other people are as well, kind of what you just taught us about cannabis, like where is a starting point when it comes to mushrooms as a consumer?
1: Mm. So again, you're going to be, you're going to want to be really careful of your dose. Um, yes. And kind of what experience you want. Do you want like a full trip where typically a dose then is about um, an eighth of mushrooms? Or do you want to just kind of like feel like the the anti-anxiety, antidepressant, like happy, maybe some color sparkle, um, then you're going to want to reduce down to maybe like a gram. And then if you want to microdose and not really feel any cognitive change, but just feel that change in mood, um, then you can look at that as well. So I think that the first most important thing is establishing your dose um, which mm-hmm. is based on what, what you want to experience. Then we go into set and setting. So for me, I... I like to start and encourage people to start every consumption experience with just an intention. It can be journaling if you want to do it personally, um, doing it with a group, you can kind of go around and speak your intention. It could be something as simple as like, I just want to play and I want to feel connected. Um, then also, like, where where are you? What space are you in do you feel safe? Who are you with? Do you feel safe with them? Do you have a trip sitter? I definitely recommend having Yes. You that's love. what my
0: friends and I are texting about. Yeah. Like figuring out, I, I'm trying to get my little sister and her boyfriend to do it with us. And Joe and I are like, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't do it at the same time because then it's like on them, if something happens, like I almost feel like I'd rather have Joe sober if I'm tripping and vice versa so that we can talk each other down, God forbid.
1: Exactly. Or I feel like it's just good to have somebody like if you're out walking around and you need to cross a busy street, you know, you want a sober right. person there. You want a sober person there to remind you to drink water and maybe eat some food towards the end of the experience. Um, it's just nice to have that person there that, again, you love, you trust, that can just be that grounding force in the group without any kind of judgment. That's also really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, what I like to do is like set up the space as I, as I know that I'm going to, um, want to engage with certain things while I'm tripping. But when, when you are tripping, it's like you lose, you lose a lot of motor function in terms of like, it's really hard to like take out speakers and put on music. It's hard to look at a phone. (laughs) Right. And so having like music set up, having an art station set up, having like a cozy cuddly zone set up, um, like making sure that you are in a place, again, where you do have access to some nature. I, and this is more of a personal thing, that I way, way, way prefer tripping in nature. I just think that it is you there's so much beauty around you. And, and you're able to have that heightened mystical experience of, oh, I feel connected to everything. Everything is right. Everything is alive. I'm part of a greater whole. And that diminishing of self that ego death, I find is way more comforting when you're surrounded by the natural world. And so having that kind of outside space where you are able to engage with um, is important as well. And then of course, just drink plenty of water, have some really yummy fruit on hand, you won't really want to eat too much but fruit is always delicious and crunchy vegetables and things again that feel like fresh and alive mm-hmm. um, are important and then um, for the the kind of come down experience i think that like cozy zone is really important and then again having some kind of like delicious meal that you're able to share with people um, and with shrooms it is a little bit less of a duration than LSD. Um, But be prepared to like, depending on your dose, be in that experience for around four to seven hours. So you will want to set aside kind of a day where you don't have any obligations, there's nothing that could come in that you would have to attend to as far as like work or anything else. Um, And again, you have that trips that are there that if an emergency comes up, they can deal with it.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You're like my mushroom guru. I'm gonna be <laughs> oh I'm getting your phone number after this and I'll be texting you all my questions and like updates on the whole situation. Oh, um, Love it. And that I mean the whole thing just sounds magical what you just explained. So it's definitely, I mean, I'm really trying to make it a September thing. So we'll keep everyone posted. Um, but this has been so incredibly helpful. I find a just like openly discussing these things to help break that stigma. But B, I do find it very informative. And I hope the listeners feel the same way in that they're walking away with some extra knowledge, some power in their decision-making, and now tools through you to help further educate themselves. So to close, I do bring it back a little bit to food. And it honestly could be even like Maybe your favorite high thing to eat or something. Cause I know people are always DMing me like, do you get crazy munchies? Like, what do you do? I actually get such, such bad cotton mouth that, like, the concept of munchy food that my sister or husband are eating, like chips and pretzels and that type of thing, I have no interest all I want is my favorite food, a pint of ice cream, because not only is it delicious, but it's like creamy and cool. So it's perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are the three ways to your heart through food?
1: Oh, great question. Um, I I am Italian. I come from a big Italian family. So for us, food is like very um, crucial in in mm-hmm. unity and synonymous with love. And so like having a, a big kind of like community, um, experience where like you're drinking wine and cooking together and then sitting down together at like a big, huge table where there is like a pasta course and then there's chicken cutlets and salad and, um, like all, just all of the different Italian comfort foods. That is like the the main highway to my heart through food, for sure. Um, also, when I am on my period, um, and my partner like brings to me my favorite snacks, that is also something that just like oh hits hits right in the heart fields of like, get me that pint of Ben and Jerry's that like dark chocolate and sea salt bar, um, some like kettle chips, and I like will love you forever. Um, (laughs) And then with with munchies, I'm right there with you where I also get pretty bad cotton mouth. And it and in fact, I, I even get like appetite suppression with cannabis, which is Mm -hmm. common for particular compounds in in a variety. Um, And so it's it's rare that i really like to like munch out but when i eat edibles specifically i call the experience bottomless pitting because it's like one size start <laughs> eating it just like never stops so Again, like to for me to feel so taken care of and like loved with food for somebody to then cook me a, a meal and I mean again, Italian girl like pasta will always be um, my most comforting food. To be able to like eat that and just like revel in the deliciousness of that with people that I love is um, it's just like everything.
0: <laughs> it's heaven. It it's is. so heaven. It's heaven. Uh, Well, thank you so much. Um, It was such a pleasure talking to you. I really hope everyone enjoyed this episode. For everyone listening, where is the best place to follow you? Obviously, we'll link everything, but social media wise.
1: Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. That's probably my most active uh, social media platform. And it's just my name at Emma Chasen. And then for all things cannabis business, um, you can go to my website, which is eminentconsultingfirm.com.
0: Perfect. It'll all be linked. Um, Again, thank you so much. And I hope you all enjoyed. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Someone actually recommended that I share like the date of when the episodes are recorded, given that life and the world is changing so quickly and every day something new is happening. So I'm going to start doing that. That episode was recorded a while ago, in like mid-August. Um, for each episode, I record this like solo segment at the end, the Wednesday before the Friday release. So it's Wednesday right now. It'll always be, for the most part, the Wednesday beforehand. So I don't think I need to include that date every time, but just to give some reference of when the interview with Emma was recorded. Um, also, I know we did touch on this, but I do want to acknowledge the privilege that goes into having this conversation and the fact that we are two white women talking about the cannabis industry um, while so many are still wrongly imprisoned for minimal drug charges that are now legal. So I do want to highlight... It'll be in the show notes, but specifically a charity called Last Prisoner Project. I'm going to read a bit from their website. Um, As the U.S. moves away from the criminalization of cannabis, giving rise to a major new industry, there remains the fundamental injustice inflicted upon those who have suffered criminal convictions and the consequences of those convictions. At the Last Prisoner Project, we utilize a three-pronged approach to secure to securing full freedom for the communities we serve through intervention, advocacy, and awareness campaigns. The Last Prisoner Project works to redress the past and continuing harms of these unjust laws and policies. The link for this website and this charity will be in the show notes. Um, It's a charity that I frequently donate to. And if you have the means to do so and are someone who consumes cannabis regularly, I think it's the right thing to do. This whole industry is just another example of how fucked our system is and the impact that the war on drugs has had on specific races and communities is just mind-blowing and that the people are still sitting in prison for things that we are openly doing and are now legal in certain states. It, it just does not make sense to me, but I obviously wanted to touch on that and just make sure that it was discussed and everyone is aware. Um I also realized that in the episode, I said I was going to do mushrooms and I was going to reflect on that with you all. And I'm really, really sorry to disappoint, but I did not get the chance to do them. Um, It was all planned and then something came up. So, excuse me, I just burped. I have not done them yet. When I eventually do them, you guys all will know. I am still very interested in trying them. That's my personal decision. I'm not telling anyone to go out and do mushrooms. But when it happens... You guys will be some of the first people to know, I promise. Life update, we're in New Hampshire. Was I in New Hampshire the last time I did this? Yeah, right? We've been here for a week. So we're still in New Hampshire. Um, I am loving being here. It's very relaxing to wake up and look over the water. Like that's something I've always wanted in a house. I just love being near the water. Joe and I are doing a lot of just relaxing. His work is a bit slow. I've seriously cut back on work while we're here. A lot of hiking. We did Mount Major and this incredible summit the other day, spending time with Charlie. We took a boat out this weekend because Lucy and Tyler came to visit since he's from New Hampshire and he has his boating license. And I swear to God, I could just spend like, all day on a boat on the water. There's It just brings me so much peace and calm. And a lot of TV show binging. I'm currently binging The Mindy Project. I love it so much. I am really late to the game. I know it came out in 2012. But I'm just really enjoying it. It's like the perfect mindless 20-minute comical feel-good episode. It's great. And there are so many freaking celebrity cameos. It's insane. Every celebrity, I swear, has a role in the show. And we're also re-watching One Hill which is our favorite show from high school. And it's just so nice to like get to relive that. Otherwise, obviously you guys, please register to vote. I can only say it so many times. We really, really need everyone to vote this year. It is motherfucking important. So please, please, please make sure that you are registered Make sure that you have a game plan. I personally am going to vote in person. I think I'm going to do early voting. I found a location in New York. The I think it starts, let me pull up. I have the website right here. Early voting in New York starts October 24th on Saturday and goes all the way up until Sunday, November 1st. So I'm going to try to vote early just to avoid the crowds. So if you guys are in New York and it's possible for you to do so too, please do that. If you're in New Jersey, I know that you can like do drop boxes for your early ballots and there's a way to track it. Just everyone, please, for the love of God, vote. Um... And then I don't really think there's much else going on in my life, to be totally honest, but I'm gonna do two listener questions. One, this person didn't even know that this episode was going to be on the cannabis industry, so this is quite fitting, but what milligram gummies or edibles do you consume? On a typical night, if it's just like, I, I'm just taking one and you know wh- that's it, probably like five to 10 milligrams in that range. If there's a weekend day where, especially if I'm like highly, highly anxious or I'm having really bad menstrual cramps and I just want to like lay on the couch and watch TV and I have nothing else to do that day, there have been times where I've gone up to 25, but that is like a I'm on the couch and will not be on Instagram stories, to put it lightly. And then the other one was oh someone asked me about the date which we are doing and then do you wish you could have changed your college major I've never in a million years thought of this um no because I would say no however so I was an economics major I had got a certificate in finance and a minor in psychology no but because I went to such a liberal arts school I felt like We, you know, you have to do like this core curriculum and you have to do specific classes. And so I do feel like I was taking way more classes than just economic focused ones. So I feel like I got a wide array of courses and it wasn't like so specific to my major. And as I said, although I'm happy, I'm not working there anymore and I can't imagine going back. I'm so grateful for the time that I had. On Wall Street or at J.P. Morgan, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not been an economics major. So that's that. I really wanted to be a journalism major because I wanted to be a sports broadcaster, as I've told you all before. Um, But Lafayette didn't have that option. So I think that's it for today's episode. I feel like there was one more thing I wanted to say now. Oh, you know what? I actually want your guys' feedback on any potential guests that you guys have been loving that you would want to maybe hear on here. I have an ongoing list, so I'm always taking recommendations, send them over my way. Right now, I'm trying to,